Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome on into the Wolverine.com podcast. Clayton Safey here with Ant Wright, our analyst, former Michigan basketball player as well. And uh, obviously we're going to be talking about the Michigan Wolverines who are in their fifth straight Sweet 16, one of two Big Ten teams along with Purdue to make the second weekend of the tournament. Uh, Michigan, man, just continues to carry the Big Ten, it feels like, in the NCAA tournament over the last couple of years. And the, the streak of five straight Sweet 16s, a Big Ten record. Only four or five other teams have, have done that. So pretty impressive stuff there. Going back to John Beeline and then uh, Jawan Howard now, 5-1 and one in NCAA tournament games since he took over. Um, we'll talk about the Wolverines beating Colorado State and Tennessee. Uh, but just a crazy weekend and of basketball. It really started, I thought, Wednesday night with the Rutgers-Notre Dame game and then Michigan game at noon on Thursday in Indy, uh, all the way through last night's Arizona-TCU overtime game. Uh crazy stuff i know you were watching it probably wall to wall as well yeah um what a like that that was one of the better round of 64s and round of 32s that i've seen in some time honestly um uh you saw you saw some good gameplay you saw really good coaching you saw where like coaching went out a lot in the round of 64 in the round of 32 when you when when you look at like saint peter's um, you know, you know, people are, you know, people can say it's fluky to, I'm like, 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 no, no, <laughs> like they, like they were playing like they were the better team and they were executing like they were the better team, the more disciplined team, the team that was, uh, much better coached, uh, better prepared, um, watching them play against Kentucky and Murray state. That was so, so impressive. And, I kind of felt that Murray State was like, yo, all we got to do is now be a San Francisco. Now we're going to go to Sweet 16 because St. Peter's is probably food. They're probably still going to be celebrating the Kentucky game. But that was just testament to a team who understood how to be how – to, how to handle success, which I feel is um, kind of underestimated. You know, handling failure is one thing, but how do you handle – something good happening to you? Do you rest on your laurels or do you just kind of move forward? Like a team like Wisconsin, <laughs> they didn't handle success very well. They had a party after they beat Purdue. And then they went one and three over the next four games, I believe. You lose to Nebraska without Bryce McGowan's and then you lose to Michigan State. And then you sneak by the toothpaste school then and then you and then you really get outplayed and outworked against Iowa State Iowa State who who has two former uh big 10 guys with uh Isaiah Brockington from Penn State and Gabe Kausher from Minnesota um so those guys are probably chomping at the bit to get back at Wisconsin and end their day, especially Gabe Kalsher because the whole Minnesota was Wisconsin thing. And I think he's from Minnesota. So 
Like that's that's like a big thing for him. Personal. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then you know, it, and and then you see like Michigan beating you know, Tennessee, and all of a sudden people are like, "Oh, the Big Ten's not overrated." Then you see four straight Big Ten teams lose the next day, one after the other. Um, you know, Houston, Illinois, that was a good game, and it's you know, it's, it's a six point game. I believe R.J. Melendez gets a steal, gets a dunk, gets called a call for one of the worst texts that I've ever seen in my life. Um, that kind of like after that, the wheels something good happened, but then like the wheels kind of fell off. It kind of took the air out the building. Um, from that moment, I believe they were like minus 11. Uh, so that was a, that, that was a huge, huge, huge play. Ohio state, uh, fought Villanova for as long as they could, um, couldn't hold serve. Uh, Michigan state was up by five with four minutes to go. Uh, and Duke just found way ways for their talent to just overcome everything. Um, then we just talked about Wisconsin, but then you have the Purdue game where, I just felt Purdue just had runs at the right time. And they actually went down there in the second half and like came came back and came storming back. And Jay Nivey was super impressive. Like he like, man, talk about a dude who's working on his draft stock. I mean, his draft stock to me went through the roof. Cause all because in you know, everybody every everybody knows that he has the goods, right? But for him to not force and for him to trust his teammates to play four on three for a few seconds just says that hey this dude just cares about winning the analysts during halftime were like yeah you know i'd be going oh for eight because and i'm like look all he cares about is winning he doesn't care about how how many shots he gets or anything like that and the dude took over and picked the spots in the second half where he should and um, move the ball when he should, and he ended up taking seven shots for like 18 points. Like, dude, dude controlled that in, that entire game. Trevor Williams had a really good game off the bench. Um, but what Michigan did was very impressive. You know, you're playing a Colorado State team, and you and you have to guard David Roddy. Um, a lot was depending on Musa, in in my opinion, what Musa did. But really, it was. Moose's defense, Brandon Johns's defense. Like I said, people want to rip on Brandon Johns. I know it's I know it's fun, but the dude does not get scored on a lot. <laughs> you know, like what what he doesn't do offensively, like he it's a trade-off on the on the defensive end. So when he does score, he's gonna be a plus because his man's not gonna score on the other end. Um what Musa and Brandon Johns did did with Roddy was an outstanding job. It was like 13 points, like 11 shots, um, one for six from three, I believe, off the top of my head. Uh, yeah. I don't have it in, in, in front of me. Something but, like that, one or, or one or five, one of five. Uh, yeah, it's something like, like that. But then, like, Eli yeah. Brooks, what he did with Isaiah Stevens was, G, was remarkable. Yeah. Uh, Caleb Houston, his work on John Tonja in that – in that game, holding him to one for nine. Um, I believe their their top three scores were held to 23 points. And that and that's the game to me. That's the game. And on the other end, uh, you had whoever Isaiah Stevens didn't guard, whoever number three was on, they went after. And I love that. Whether it was Eli attacking them or Frankie attacking them, they did such a good job of getting to the paint 
getting buckets or getting to the paint and finding someone. Um, outstanding job there. And I thought, uh, and, you know, Hunter was Hunter. As as long as Hunter's Hunter, I think Michigan's okay. And Hunter's been, Hunter was Hunter in both games for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 48 points from Hunter Dickinson in two games, the the most by a Michigan player in two NCAA tournament games, or the first two NCAA tournament games, the first weekend since Jawan Howard in 1994. And Jawan was going off in that tournament, obviously yeah. carrying Michigan to the Elite Eight before they lost to Arkansas. But uh, fantastic performances by him. You mentioned Frankie Collins, and it's like thinking about, you know, how he was kind of the turning point once they decided, like, all right, we're going to go with Frankie. You know, we're not going to try to, you know, go with a little more Eli at point and things like that without Devontae Jones there. We're going to roll with him. He has his personal 5-0 run at the end of that first half. And then he he did kind of realized, like you were talking about, I can attack these guys and get to the rim. It's not yeah. a team with shot blockers on the back end. So they felt like they could get there. They were more aggressive in the second half. I thought Jawan Howard and the staff did a great job all weekend. It started with making some of those adjustments uh, against Colorado State. And then the job they did, I thought, against Tennessee uh, with that game plan as well. Um and it was like at different points in the game, they pushed the right buttons. They went to zone late because Tennessee was, you know, getting to the rim and really doing a good job sealing off guys. And Kennedy Chandler was fantastic. But, uh, you know, Michigan goes with zone. I really liked the way they limited some three-point looks as well. You know, completely took uh, Vescovi out of the game. I thought, um, you know, he went one for five from three, and that's a guy who shoots a lot of those. They only attempted 18 threes. They averaged over 24 per game so I thought the coaching job from Jawan Howard and company to to lead a shorthanded Michigan team back to the sweet 16 with tough draws you're playing a six seed and a three seed uh in and now you're here and you get Villanova on Thursday it's another tough you know they have probably the toughest region maybe outside of the west and you could argue that that it's even tougher than the west which has Gonzaga Arkansas Texas Tech and Duke but when you look at Arizona when you look at Houston, who is criminally underseeded as a five, and then yeah. Villanova as a two, who could probably win it all as well, uh, it's going to be a tough road. But just going back to that Tennessee game real quick, um, you had the individual performances from Hunter and Eli, who had 23 points and took over late. He had the Xavier Simpson hook shot, yeah. uh, which was just fantastic. And then you had an outlier type of you know bench spark type performance from Terrence Williams, who had the two putbacks, each of them tying the game late. He hit the two free throws um, and, you know, kind of a validation of, of the work that I feel like Terrence has put in and the improvement he's made since he's gotten on campus. But, uh, you know, what else did you see, I guess, from that, from that Tennessee game and those individual performances, man, were, were, were those two of the best you've, you know, seen from a Michigan team in a, in a tournament to keep their team alive? T Will's always ready. And that's been testament from day one of day one. Like when he was a freshman, like remember that Oakland game? Yeah. That like, Michigan almost lost last year. Yep. Went to like, overtime. They, he didn't play the entire game. And then he gets put in in the last few minutes to go make plays. And he, like a, like a veteran, he made the right passes, made the right plays. He was getting to the basket and, and he was doing so many things. And, that's that's kind of who he's been, you know. That's kind of who he, who who he's been. If you want to play in five minutes or twenty minutes, he's he's going to be ready for whatever. Um, I do think that um, in the in the there was a game 
when did he go over 10, over 11, Caleb? Was that against, uh, yeah, was that was against a, Ohio State? Yeah, it was against Ohio State. Yep. Yeah, he was like 0 10, 0 for 11. So in that game, I thought that was one of Caleb's better games. I thought that he was so good, still being aggressive. He was so he he took like one bad shot, but like he was so good with his attention to detail and what he was doing as a defender. And he was he was getting deflections. He was out there and he was still dialed, dialed in. I think the tennis, this last Tennessee game, um, I didn't see that. Like, like, yes, yeah, he was he was over, but I I didn't see the in-between stuff, you know. I didn't see the intangibles, right? Um, when that's happening, I think I think you gotta go to T. A little bit more. A little quicker, um, yeah. Little and they didn't quicker. bring him in until there was under seven minutes – or under eight minutes to go, excuse me, and, uh, you know, they were down six. Now, I thought Caleb defended decently well, and, um, you know, and I know they hit some of those pull-up jumpers, but I thought he defended decently well, and then it ended up being where Terrence was in for Musa at the yeah. end too, which I thought worked because Musa had a pretty good first half, but he missed a lot around the bucket and was kind of – was struggling a little bit, and I thought it was the right move. To, they tried pulling Caleb for a little bit, and then decided to end up bringing him back in for Musa. But um, that was for yeah. that was for spacing, one hundred percent. Yeah, because I think putting T. Well in the game now, you have more of a perimeter oriented forward in the game. Someone else who could give Hunter a bit more space too, especially uh, when your big guy was like when Musa was missing those around the basket. It's like you might as well you know, get your spacing, you know, out of, yeah. it's like, if you're going to have the big lineup and he's not making them, you know? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And um, just being able to execute a lot better and Tennessee at that point was only scoring one way that was off of turnovers. So having another perimeter player is going to help you help you take care of the ball. Right. Cause I don't think they had well, like maybe what two turnovers in the last several minutes, and that was the biggest thing. That was the biggest thing. Them not with these live ball turnovers and then, you know, Tennessee just gets a wide open layup. They had so many points just wide open just because free they points. just stole yeah. the ball. Bunch of free points. And, Pick you know, six. outside of that, I mean, Michigan outplayed them thoroughly. I, I thought so too. That's why it was – you look at that first half, you're down five. It's like, man, Michigan felt like they were executing better other than – their turnover possessions. If you look at their points per possession on when they didn't turn it over, and I know you can't really do that, but in terms of the looks they were actually getting when they produced looks, I thought they were good and they were knocking them down for the most part. And then of course, in the second half, they cleaned things up a little bit. As you said, I don't, yeah, I don't think they turned it over really once Terrence came back in maybe once or twice. And, and there was kind of that stretch before he came in where they were starting to revert back into that. Tennessee took the lead and it felt dicey and it was dicey at that yeah. point, but they're obviously able to, to pull it out. Um, and, and like I said, going to zone late, I thought helped as well for Michigan. It, you know, Tennessee had some open looks, but I thought it was key that Michigan kind of got them out of their rhythm early and we're running them off the line. You could tell those closeouts were, we're, we're running all the way up into you and, you know, you can maybe try to drive it past. We saw some pull-ups and things like that and some cuts that were good by Tennessee, but Michigan was not going to get beat by the three didn't let them get in the rhythm early, and it paid off late when the good looks did come, I thought, 
you know, people were saying like, oh, it wasn't really the defense. It was just they missed their shots. But I thought it was all part of a kind of a bigger plan there. And then late you had to adjust and take some things away in the paint, you know, got some open looks for them. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have, you know, the, the way that Michigan's defense is designed, they're, they're going to give up the mid-range too. Um, they don't want you to shoot threes, and they don't want you to get to the cup. Um, and that's kind of what you saw. And so when they did get a three, it was almost like, oh, crap. I got to take the most advantage of it. Now that's like another layer that they have to get through to even like make the shot. And that's why you see a team go 0 for 9 in the uh, second half. It's because they've been limiting those looks, limiting those touches. You know, maybe if they did get up another six or seven attempts, they make a couple. Now we have a different game. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point, too, in the mental hurdle part of it. Um so now, you know, Michigan advances after Hunter Dickinson chucks the ball up into the air, which was just a fitting way for that game to end. Um, crazy scene there in Indy. Um, and by the way, you mentioned the just a great atmosphere all weekend. Uh, Chris Ballas and I were at the uh, the St. Uh, Peter's versus Kentucky game, which was stunning. We were sitting about row 10 and Cal, man, no answers from him at all. And then the atmosphere for the Murray State both the Murray State-San Francisco game and the Murray State-St. Peter's game, unbelievable. But like Chris Ballas was saying, and he's covered a lot of these, that the Tennessee-Michigan game was kind of an Elite Eight type of feel, and it was a great atmosphere in terms of atmosphere, um, Elite Eight feel, and and it was great. Um, Michigan moves on and could potentially play in the Elite Eight with a win over Villanova. This is going to be tough, uh, obviously, when you get to this yeah. round. Villanova is a team that could easily get to to the final four, could could potentially cut down the nets. Um, an elite offensive team, shoot a lot of threes, make a lot of threes. Uh, you know, defense is good, not great, and they don't have a ton of size on the back line. And I feel like that's where Michigan has to take advantage there. They don't have anyone in the rotation over six foot eight. They allow uh, you know, they allowed Zach Eady to do really well uh, early on in the season when they played Creighton with their they're a big guy. They scored a lot on the interior in those two games or three games. Excuse me. They actually played uh, again in the Big East tournament. So I feel like Michigan has an advantage there. At the same time, this Michigan defense is going to be really, really tested because Villanova with Colin Gillespie and, and Justin Moore have one of the top ball screen attacks in the country. Pick and roll. Extremely efficient. And what they do is post up a lot to get open kick out threes as well. They post up. Uh, almost as much as anyone in the country uh, don't necessarily score as much out of it, although they're efficient there, but they, they get kick out threes. Like I said, this is, you know, they take care of the ball. This is, you know, a Villanova offense that you would, that you would expect to see. I guess, what are your thoughts on, on the Wildcats? Um, I think Frankie, Devontae and Eli, I got to have the, the best game of the year. Um, like you said, Justin Moore's good. He's from Fort Washington, Maryland. Um, Con Gillespie's good. They don't play anyone under 6'3", 190. Yep, so they have the um, size advantage in the backcourt for sure. Um, yeah, they're a big team. Like, even though they don't have anybody over 6'8", they play a bunch of small forwards, um, a bunch of small forwards, and they have a big point guard. And they will post you repeatedly, um, even if it's not working. Like, they will post you, like, repeatedly because that's – that's how they get their looks. That's how they get their open threes. Um, I'm curious how they're going to defend, honestly. Um, 
because we don't have, you know, Devontae and Frankie are bigger, you know, like Devontae is 205, 200. They're built a little bit. Yeah, Yeah, Frankie's also a bit built, and he's athletic. Um, I... I am I am really curious what they're going to do defensively. And I'm very very curious and and I don't even I don't even have a um have an answer. I have to go see some Villanova losses and see what those teams did um to expose a lot of what they like to do. Um but I'm going to have to find a lot some losses with teams who have uh, smaller guards, not bigger guards because that's also a thing that you have to also acknowledge um Villanova is a very good team very very good team and they're the best team out the out of the big big east although they didn't win the uh they didn't win the conference I don't think but no um, have Providence yep yeah but they're the but they're the best team in that in that league for, for sure um Michigan's gonna have to hit shots offensively they're gonna have to attack their guards on that end too um because even though, even though their guards are good in the pick and roll, you know I think Frankie and Devontae is too, and they do a great job of getting into the paint and finding people. This is another game where like they shouldn't be afraid to go with both Frankie and Devontae. Um, Eli had a great game last game, um, and and it was much needed. But for Eli to be good down the stretch i think they are going to need to um allow him to get a little bit of rest because i think the depth now at the at the backcourt position is way better like frankie this year man from the first few games to where he's at now um his development and his improvement has has been so good it's been so so good and um and that's going to allow Michigan to have multiple options down the stretch, whether that's sitting Frankie or sitting Eli or sitting Devontae or playing all three. Like they, that's also, you know, a casualty of that is Kobe Bufkin not getting as many minutes now because you've seen how well Frankie has done. Um, but yeah, very long non-answer from me, Clayton. I'm sorry, <laughs> but. Um, I'm just sitting here just like going through all the matchups in my mind. And, um, you know, Michigan has got to play. They have to attack Villa Villanova similarly to the way they they attacked Colorado State and Tennessee because neither one of those teams wanted to really play fast. Uh, I think Villanova is going to be another one of those teams where on misses and turnovers, push the ball because they're, yeah. they're going to be sound defensively, disciplined defensively. It's almost like if you don't want to face a 2-3 zone, you beat it up the court. This is very similar to where, hey, get out in transition, do your thing, have fun, uh, move the ball, play out of it. If they don't have to run plays and let the guys hoop, then that's how you hoop, you know? At this point in time, it's all about just winning, just just find a way to win. You find the weakness, exploit it, win, and move on. I think Michigan's offense is at its best when it plays with a higher tempo. Hunter can get in deep, you know, when their defense isn't necessarily set, or you get that when uh, you know the guards at kind of a 
three quarter type of, you know, not as quite a sprint, but, you know, kind of running down the floor and you get a, a pick and you're just into that thing. Uh, you know, you're already moving fast and they're kind of having to adjust. So I, I agree with that. And man, Villanova slows it down, like you said. And, you know, I was looking at their numbers. They've only had like 27 or so uh, transition possessions because they just don't really allow teams to get out and run. So Michigan take advantage of some of those misses. Another key stat, I think, for this game is, man, yeah, you're going to have to defend that three-point line, try to limit some of those looks and do all that. But kind of like the Tennessee game, too, you're going to need to just get some misses. Uh, Villanova is 5-4 and four when they make six or less threes. They're going to attempt uh, – they attempt nearly 26 per game. Uh, the attempts are – I think 19 was the fewest they've had in the game this year. Maybe there's one outlier uh, out there. They're going to get their looks up in all likelihood. Um, but you need to contest those as good as you can if you're Michigan and try to go with kind of a similar game plan that you had against Tennessee because they're not big on the interior. But uh, it's going to be really interesting. I think Eli Brooks against Colin Gillespie is going to be a fascinating kind of a, a matchup. I think Eli will spend a lot of time guarding him. And, you know, those two played in the national title game. Colin played a little more than Eli. Uh, they played again the next year, that next November, against each other uh, at Villanova. These guys have really gotten their teams to their these spots, and I know Michigan has had a lot of help from Hunter Dickinson and whatnot, but Colin Gillespie's had some help too, and uh, that backcourt matchup I think will be really, really interesting. Um, Villanova was also the number two team for Eli as well. That's right. They recruited him super hard. Um, Ohio State wanted him and Villanova, which is hilarious. So people were like, I remember like this, this was yesterday. It was, oh, yeah. it was 20... 2016 2017 and someone someone hits me up on twitter this eli guy he's not even ranked and da, 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 da. do you know anything about him i'm like i don't know anything about him but ohio state and villanova wants him and they don't miss with guards right so i'll take him especially <laughs> villanova if jay wright yeah. wants him and john beeline wa and honestly john beeline has a lot of credibility too it's like if beeline wants him you know right Exactly. Uh. <laughs> exactly. It's almost like um, in football, like, hey, if Wisconsin offers an old lineman somewhere. Yeah. Or Iowa. Like, yeah. Go go offer them, too, and then go see if they're any good. You know, <laughs> it's just, you know, you know, it's, just, it's a good point. And yeah, man, perfect fits for their team. Like Colin Gillespie for the last when he's healthy, the last few years has really made that team go. Eli Brooks has been so big. And I know early in his career, people were, you know, he was kind of the scapegoat and, and whatnot and, you know, a punching bag. It's Michigan. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, Everyone's been but they come around in him now, I think, uh, you know, if not last year, this year, and if not this year before Saturday night, Saturday night, because he was uh, obviously outstanding. Um, you look at the rest of the South region there that'll be down in San Antonio. And by the way, rematch of, national title game, which was also in San Antonio in 2018. Um, Arizona and Houston. I mean, Arizona's my national champion pick. Houston, I mean, probably could have been a two seed. Like, they're the number two team on Ken Palm. They have a top 10 offense, a top 15 defense. That's kind of the formula to win a national title. Um, I think that's going to be a really good game. I think that is going to be, you know, just a war, a rock fight type of game. Um, your thoughts on the rest of the region there, if Michigan were to get by, or even if even if it ends up being Villanova? 
in in my opinion, it is. Um, I know I know there was chalk pretty much in the Gonzaga region. Yep, but I would switch with Texas Tech in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Um, I do think Arizona is the favorite. Did you see the TCU game last night? Yeah. Really good game, right? Great game. Um, Benedict Matherin, like, if (laughs) – they lose easily. Yeah. If that dude doesn't just go nuts. Um, And they still should have lost because the dude got fouled at half court. But Yep. um, Terrible. But um, Arizona – Arizona, Houston, you know, I can see that game going either way, honestly. Um, but if you're going to have a number one in your region, it's one that you've already played. I don't mind that piece because you already played them. They, they're they they're going to thank your food, right? And then you go at them, right? Uh, then you have Houston. Houston still, still salty about Jordan Poole. They're still salty True. about it. Like, like I would see like Jordan Poole Warriors highlight, and then you see some Rockets fan like <laughs> F Jordan Poole. That shot in 2018 gives me like gives me nightmares. <laughs> it's almost Probably like should. Illinois in 1989, right? Yep. You know, some some things just just stick with you forever. Kind of like Louisville and uh Luke Hancock and even this Villanova team and Dante DiVincenzo, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, like some guys just are gonna just stick in your mind forever. Um, Houston's gonna be very good defensively. Uh, that game against Arizona is gonna be a lot of fun. Um, but, but uh, I think Michigan is gonna. Michigan's in the second toughest bracket, I'd say. I think the toughest one is the Gonzaga, Duke, Arkansas, Texas Tech one. But I would have still liked that for Michigan still. Um, I think Texas Tech comes out of there. After looking at the teams and how they are, I think Texas Tech is going to beat Duke, and I think they're, they're, they're going to beat Gonzaga or Arkansas. Um, but what's nice about Michigan's bracket is the only person in the region that I thought that can guard Hunter is Coloco. Yep. And I'm like, hey, if this team can can you know get to an elite eight, and then just fight it out, you know, really fight it out, then, you know, let the let the best team win. But you see, Colorado State, no one can guard Hunter. Tennessee, tough matchup. Best team in the SEC, in my opinion. Nobody who can guard Hunter. This game coming up, Villanova, they're gonna throw some double teams, but still one on one. Nobody can no. guard Hunter. Right. Um, next game in the Elite Eight, Houston, nobody who can guard guard him. Arizona does have someone who can't guard him. Um, and who gave him fits in that in that first round. So but Hunter wasn't really shooting the ball against Arizona like that. Yeah. So what's gonna happen when now Hunter shows that second layer to his offense? It's gonna be the Purdue game plan against yeah. Arizona, if you get that, where Hunter was doing a lot of pick and pop, and we saw it against Tennessee, even even though they're not a team that's super strong on the interior with post defense, but Hunter hit that three threes. was pretty big though. He was seven feet two fifty. Yeah, he was. He was picking popping on him. 
Yeah. Yeah, he was making him move a little bit. But but yeah. just the way he was able to still score inside uh, was was obviously it. So you were at the Tennessee yeah. Michigan game. Yep. Did you see when the Serbian dude did like the Hunter Small thing? No. Live? Okay. So like you know when someone scores sometimes yeah. Hunter does like it all someone. the time. <laughs> You're right, exactly. So the Serbian dude scored and did the small thing. And then Hunter dunked on him the next possession. And then Hunter was celebrating every time he scored again. <laughs> he <got a> foul. <laughs> I did not see that. People on the timeline were like, yo, <laughs> thank you for pissing off Hunter. Right. Thank you for pissing off our best player. Thank you the, for pissing off our All-American. The <laughs> pettiest player maybe in college basketball. Thank you for pissing him off. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. And then did you see? Did you see at the end when Hunter said something to the other teams, either the cheerleader or the mascot? Mm-mm. <laughs> That's like the only bad part about being at the games live. It's like you miss so I know many you don't get the the like cut in, you know, oh, zoomed man. in shots and things like that. Yeah. Oh hold on. I'm about to send this to you. I said uh I said, uh, I said, Hunter is a menace. Uh, let's see if I can find it. I'm about to send this to you so you can watch it. Oh man, so good. Right, that's just, that's Hunter. And and while you're doing that, like his quote, okay, you already sent it. His quote after the game of like those people that that were hating on us better watch us next weekend. Um, <laughs> yeah, who's he talking to there? <laughs> He's either talking. He's, I think it was the mascot. It might be the mascot. <laughs> or the male cheerleader who then shrugged after and was like, what the hell? Right. And then, like, look at the look at the girl's face. Her mouth is, like, wide open. Like, oh, my God. And, like, all the cheerleaders are, like, pointing at him. She can't believe so it. <laughs> it's That's so great. good. It's so good. Hunter's, Hunter's a character. Man, Hunter is a character. Yeah. Hunter's a character. He's, He's very comfortable in his own skin, and you can always appreciate someone like that. No doubt. And that's why, man, he's the fan favorite. And if he comes back for another year and surprises or whatever, based on what he was saying preseason, uh, not only is this team going to be probably pretty good again, but uh, they're going to be fun to watch with him in even more of a leadership role. And speaking of, Hunter Dickinson and what Eli Brooks did on Saturday. It's interesting because I said it before the tournament too. Like this is an 11 seed in Michigan, but they're playing better than that in the second half of the season. So you could argue, all right, what are they as good as an eight or a seven? But then also when you add in the factor of having potentially the best player on the floor when you're playing a Tennessee, right? Kennedy Chandler was great, but I would say Hunter Dickinson's a better basketball player at this point. Kennedy Chandler played very very good you know for him but hunter still had a better game you're playing villanova you could argue colin gillespie what he does for that team and his value i think you could put him right there but hunter's also been an all-american as well and you know might be the best player on the floor against one of the better teams in the country i know arizona it won't be the case because they have ben matherin but that there's something to be said about individual performances that can lift a team and i know there's so many things that go into winning tournament games but if you if you have a guy that can just go the hell off like that, and if you have Eli Brooks who's played that was his fifteenth NCAA tournament game on Saturday night, 
you know, that can, that can help you win a game. Even when Tennessee, sure, they had more talent, more athleticism, better shooting, but Michigan won. And, uh, you know, you kind of saw that throughout the, throughout the first weekend and you see it every year, but some of those individual performances, even look at St. Peter's and that, uh, that shooter that they have air dart or whatever, or Ed art, um, unbelievable. And then obviously other performances from other guys, but that's why Michigan and, and there's four double digit seeds in the sweet 16 as well. You saw a number one seed go down because they didn't have some of their best guys, Baylor, uh, and you know, still almost winning that game against North Carolina, but Michigan's, 25 dog. Yeah. I don't I'm dog. Come on. Did you, did you watch that game? Yes. It was ridiculous. Insane. UNC's up 25. Was that a flagrant two on Brady Manic? No, it, it should have been a flagrant one, one not not an one or like a dead ball tactical foul. Right. You know, let get, like that was ridiculous. And, and it was like a 38 point, 13 run after he got yes, ejected. Yes. It was wild. It was absolutely wild. Absolutely wild. And then they got it down to 16 with like six minutes left. And someone goes, I, I think Baylor has one more run. And I was like, down 16, what's the worst that could happen, right? <laughs> right? Just like sarcastically. Yep. And then, of course, you see, man, that was that was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And then they were able to go into overtime without Caleb Love, without Brady Manick, um, and go in there and still win that game, which was which was for – for me, that was absolutely incredible because a team just went plus 25 on you in, in 11 minutes. Like that's that's beating you over plus two per minute. Like that's that's why that's crazy. And, and to when you know how like the the buzzer sounds, you're going to overtime, you run over to your bench. One team and one bench is extremely happy to be going to overtime and the other one isn't. And you have no momentum on your side and to pull that out. And it was a that was a war of attrition type of game with guys. Yep. Not only getting ejected, but following out left and right, as you mentioned, Caleb Love. Um, no, that was fantastic. Just one of the one of the outstanding games uh, of that first weekend. Um, do you have any like kind of tweaks to maybe your Final Four now that we have a, a Sweet Sixteen? I had Iowa going brutal for me, but uh, and Brand. I thought it was <laughs> I thought it was their year, but. You we never say can. five star go to five star. We say Fran go to Fran. That's Fran true. Fran. I mean, sometimes you just can't trust these guys. Rick Barnes, look at him. Yeah, uh, Rick Barnes go to Rick Barnes. And Juwan Howard is proving to be a good tournament coach as well. A two day turnaround against that Tennessee team, I thought was really tough. But any other, uh, you know, bracket takeaways or looking at who your final four is? I still have Arizona, um, UCLA, and Gonzaga in, but. Um, I feel like Texas Tech too is a sleeper as well, like you like you mentioned. I think I I honestly think Texas Tech is going to go to the Final Four um, out of that bracket, and Purdue is going to Purdue is going to sell right. You think like Purdue is going to Purdue is going to blow it right? Uh, against St. Peter's, or are they going to blow it? No, I in the Elite Eight. Yeah, maybe against either it? North Carolina or UCLA. They're going to find a way to blow that. They're going to find a way to blow it. They're going to find a way to blow it, and I don't know how, but it's going to happen. Right. And I am a big, and I want them to do well. 
I want them to do very well. I do well. too. I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for Purdue. Uh, I'm a big, I'm a big Matt Painter guy, and you know who they remind me of? Purdue. Who's that? 2018-19 Michigan. They remind me of them. Yeah. Really good team. Should have won the Big Ten. Didn't. Lost in the Big Ten tournament. Championship actually too. Um, they got over the hump of Chris Beard, but they're in the they're in the Sweet Sixteen. Um, against a team that they should roll over. Let's be real. Uh, St. Peter's has has been blown out once this year, one time, and I believe that was to St. John's back in November or early December. I forget. Okay. But I was looking at this last night where I'm looking at these scores from St. Peter's. You, you're a really good team. You're a really well-coached team if you don't get blown out. Yeah. They have one blowout this year. That's a well-coached team. He's going to get a bigger job. Coming up. Oh, he's yeah. That's that's Seton Hall, right? That's Is, yeah. yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, Seton Hall, done deal. That's that's done. Because Willard is, I think he's off he's to going, Maryland, right? Yeah, he's going to Maryland. Yep. Yeah. So Willard to Maryland's been like, you know, that's been out there for a while. Uh, but going to Seton Hall, I was, you know, people were like, like, hey, how much, how much can you get Steve Pinkel over here? I'm like, y'all, like Steve Pinkel's not going over there. No, um, he signed now through like forever, 30, 30 yeah, years. Like he, sh- he should be. Yeah, he's, he's an outstanding coach. He's an outstanding mm-hmm. coach. Um, but yeah, Shaheen Holloway, that dude, um, just watching them play is is like watching like Beeline Light, right? Yeah, super disciplined, except like a really good def- defensive team too. But like what whatever they do on offense, they do on defense. Mm-hmm. Super disciplined. Uh, they're very well coached, very well prepared. Their game management is amazing. Uh, I just can't wait to see what St. Peter's tries to do against Purdue. That's I want to see their game plan. I don't think I think Purdue has they St. Peter's won't be able to emulate and practice and walkthroughs some of the things that Purdue does. Like they can't emulate the best guard in the NBA draft. You know, you can't emulate that. You can't emulate seven foot four, sixty five percent shooting from the floor, Zach Eady, mm-hmm. right? You can't emulate a six ten, two hundred sixty pound, like fake fake Hakeem Olajuwon <laughs> type of dude who's a really good passer. Um, you can't emulate all that. And then having 40% three-point shooters around him. Yeah. Like, that's that's the perfect – minus a decent point guard, that's the perfect basketball team. I mean, you put – man, you give them a, a half-decent point – just half-decent. They need to be the best. You put, like, Peyton Willis from Minnesota He's on that team. Good. Yeah. <laughs> that'll be the number one team in the country. Um, but uh, Final Four, I'm going to go Texas Tech. Uh, I'm going to go – I just think Arizona is going to be too much, man. Yep. I'm going to go Arizona, and then I'm going to go – I'm going to go Miami. I'm going to go Miami. They're hot, man. Because I think, I think Miami matches up with both Providence and Kansas pretty well. Uh and then, and then you know what? 
I'm all in on Matt Painter. I'm go all in on my boy against my against my wishes. I'm gonna go all in on Matt Painter. Um, but deep down, I think it's gonna be North Carolina. Okay. That would be that would be interesting. Um I, I'm just sticking to my guns with UCLA, Gonzaga, and Arizona. And then I guess I'll just go Kansas on the on the Midwest because I was no longer there. But um but hey, I'm I'm happy about having three out of the four heading into the second weekend, even though that's not a ton to, to write home about. But um yeah, so it should be exciting. Thursday, seven fifteen, San Antonio, Michigan against Villanova. Then you got Houston and Arizona after that. Uh and winner to the Elite Eight of each game. And man, winner of that to the final four. Could Michigan make it back for a third time since two thousand thirteen? Uh, we'll be watching that. Ant, appreciate you as always. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to everybody next time. Yo, Michigan has come a long way, bro. Yeah. This program's come a long way. Long, long way. Like, we're like, long way. You've seen it firsthand. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time.